In the following live session recording, Debbie Ackerman, president-elect with the National Baptist Nursing Fellowship, shares the session entitled, If the WMU Shoe Fits, Wear It. Involvement in Woman's Missionary Union offers many opportunities for service and leadership. The listener will shop with Debbie for the best WMU shoe that fits you and the women you lead for an on-mission journey with Jesus. Let's join Debbie now. So this little shoe store is where we went to get our shoes, and then just before Easter, all the patent leather shoes came out, the Mary Janes, you know, and so Mom would take us back there to get those shoes. So can anyone guess the name of the shoe city up north? It's near it. Brockton, Massachusetts. And so my great-grandparents and many others like them came from Europe to work in the shoe factories. Just like so many of our other major cities, immigrants came, and they still come, don't they, to the United States. Back then it was the Swedes. I grew up in a Swedish Baptist church. I was the only little black-haired girl there. We'll get to that story later. So perhaps it's natural for me to teach a session with a shoe theme. So I want to start us off with some well-known shoe quotes and see how many you know the authors of. First, Mama always said you could tell an awful lot about a person by the kind of shoes they wear. You know who said that? They also said, Mama always said life is like a box of chocolates. Boris Gump. Then there was quite the gal who said, give a girl the right pair of shoes and she'll conquer the world. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> oh, did somebody say, who got that right? Did you get that right? Good for you. <laughs> Another gal said, a woman with good shoes is never ugly. How reassuring is that? Who was that? Coco Chanel. This one you might guess right away. You have brains in your head and feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. That's right, yes. See, I knew you'd get that. Now here's my favorite. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's Paul, right, Ephesians 6.15. So welcome to the WMU Shoe Store. We're going to look at a whole bunch of shoes, and this is... Um, the latest style of shoe in WMU. So uh, you've got a handout, and you're going to see where you can take some notes on your handout. Everyone have a handout? All right. So our latest shoe style has some M's for it. The mandate of National WMU. WMU makes disciples of Jesus who live on mission. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But that's what we do. When we talk about missions education, missions discipleship, missions deployment, WMU makes disciples of Jesus who live on mission. This statement works towards the comprehensive missions discipleship that we are doing, that holistic view of missions part of our life, every age and stage of life. You'll hear me say that often. And as we mature in Christ followers, our understanding of God's mission expands as we grow in our desire to make sure that all peoples in all places have heard the full gospel and have come to faith, all the peoples of the world. The second M is the motive for WMU, and this is our why. 
This is why we exist. This is even why we came into being 131 years ago. And it's why we do what we do. We don't do it just to keep busy. We don't do it to give childcare. We do it because of our mandate. And WMU pursues this mandate because the gospel story and the Great Commission are important. They matter. It's critical to the world. WMU has objectives that are practical expressions of being involved in this mission of God. We've heard them called tasks. We've heard them called principles. We call them objectives right now. We change it every once in a while because, you know, change is good for us, apparently. But they never go out of style. And they never lack importance when we think about God's kingdom work. So through the objectives, WMU promotes that biblical worldview. Did I get that up there? There we are. And we'll go over those objectives in a little bit. And the third M is the map of WMU. There are three areas that have been mapped out for us. So I'll give you three R's to remember. First is relevance. WMU is adaptable and agile. We have to be because the changes in our world are coming fast, aren't they? World culture has changed. Church culture has changed. What would your grandmother think of you sitting here in your jeans? Things change. Educational culture changes. Our children learn differently. Our grandchildren learn even more different, differently. Missions culture has changed. When we look back historically of what missionaries did, how they were called, and how they were educated for their call. And second, our branding. We tell our story in contextualized ways, ways that every generation will understand. And we share our vision through telling the story, that branding of who we are in WMU. Second is our resources. Our resources are both timeless and timely, but they are not trendy. They will not go out of style anytime soon. They are both proactive and they're interactive. We are ahead of the curve. When you think about Project Help, when we took on AIDS back in the 90s, as a nurse, I knew about AIDS. I knew the facts and I know, knew what was fiction. But as I was doing the conferences for WMU, people were terrified. And I would simply say as a nurse, well, if you, were, if you thought it could be airborne, then you would already be dead. That sort of reassured them a little bit. They'd come on the subway in Boston to this meeting. So that would have been if it was airborne. But you see, we said at the national board, do we take on AIDS? What will people think? And those of us in the medical field says, if we don't take it on, someone else will. And it may not have the gospel attached to it. Not the missional approach to how do we minister to people whose lives back then before they had all the medicines. And so we try to be ahead of the curve on these things. And also our resources are both basic and comprehensive. That way, if you've been a GA leader for 30 years, you can still learn new things. You'll see a new way of teaching children. You'll be able to take all you've learned and then add to that. But if you're brand new and you're wondering, is this something I can do? How could I possibly do this? You'll come in and everything will be pre prepared and laid out for you so you don't have to struggle to be the new GA leader. The third hour is relationships. 
We have related to the Southern Baptist Convention as an auxiliary since day one. 131 years of relating to our Southern Baptist Convention. And we have been part of them with strong support from them, with the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, with Lifeway, with our seminaries, all of those. We also have that relationship with state conventions and state WMU. Your president, Lisa, she serves on our national board. All the presidents have done that, and I've enjoyed all of your presidents. We also relate to associations and associational WMUs. We work often when we're doing our mission fests with associational directors of missions and church planting catalysts. Also with the individual churches and the church WMU. Any questions about these new terms, our mandate, our motive, or our map? I know those may be some new, new terms and information that you're, you're getting there. All right, let's go on to a shoe. I'm particularly fond of this, the classic shoe. Any of you had those? Mm -hmm. Didn't they call them spectators? Yes, yes, cool, aren't they cool? I thought those were, it was fun finding the shoes to put up here for you. Our objectives cross, again, all ages and all stages. So if you're talking about a three-year-old mission friend, a preschooler, can you see okay? As well as talking about it, you're an adult. These are things, our objectives, that will apply to them. Can a three-year-old learn to pray? They can, and boy, they are sure that God has heard and will answer that one real quick. And our GAs, I love to hear my GAs pray. When we were in, the, um, in New England, we adopted a missionary couple in Boston, and they were planting a church. And one of my little girls, after we had visited down there, said to me, you know, they don't have kids, and if they had some children, they'd get some families. <laughs> and I said, well, that's true. And someone else said, well, all right, let's pray that she'll have a baby. Okay. So when she was pregnant about four months later, they said, we did it. <laughs> and I was not explaining that. But they believe... Oh, that we would have that faith like a child to believe that when we are praying and I think that we do more of that when we are in our women on mission groups in our groups that come together as women and we are praying for our missionaries I hear the reports don't you Beth Ann? Those reports maybe you're getting email reports from missionaries and you think I prayed for that and you see how God is answered I have to remember to hit this there we go. Engaging in mission action and witnessing. This is hands-on involvement. But not only the hands-on, I call it the voice-on. This is where we share the gospel while we're serving them. Sometimes we just get hesitant, but I have never seen somebody say to me, don't pray for me, don't ask me those questions about Jesus, because when you are serving them, they sort of feel like they should listen to you. They should answer you. And we want to be sure that we connect that. When I say to my GAs or I say to our women on mission group, and how are we going to present the gospel? They have answers because they know that's what we should be doing. Learn about missions. What are some examples in your church where learning about missions, that educational piece to missions is happening through WMU? Any thoughts on that? I would really emphasize like the Lottie Moon and the mm -hmm. and Armstrong. That's just no, that's definitely mm -hmm. the videos. We 
Good. And so they're all seeing that. That's a really great way to do it because the videos are wonderful that come out with those. And I'm sure for your state missions, you have, do you have a video too that comes out and goes to your churches? And people will say, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know about the deaf ministry going on over there. I didn't know that, that there were medical missions still going on in Thailand with the Derbyshires and they're doing those remote medical things. So we can, even those, those big ways, but also in small ways. So there's many ways for us to help our church as a whole learn about missions. And then there's supporting missions. And when we say that, we usually think about what? The money, don't we? But there are other ways. This is much broader than just the money. And of course, that's an important piece of it. And we're supposed to return to the Lord some of that. But there's also the providing for our missionary families. National WMU does a, um, a, uh, an event for kids coming off, MKs coming off the field to go to college. A back-to-college time and I don't know has Georgia hosted that recently 2012 and it'll be 2021 okay good and that is so important you talk to any MK and they will say oh that was so helpful because they're a third culture kid they've grown up with just a toe in the United States some of them will say to you you know I never really did watch television I have a friend if you say something like um, Ed Sullivan show she has no idea because she was in Africa, and yes, they came back, but she wasn't interested in television. I mean, if you don't have electricity, why would you watch it? So, so for our kids that are coming out of different cultures, that's important. And there's many ways. Do any of your churches have a mission house? You do. And so that's a great thing. And boy, missionaries are so blessed to have a mission house. National WMU has a list that you can be on if you have a guest room and you enjoy have the gift of hospitality and having people in, you can sign up to use your guest room as a missionary vacation place. We did that for many years before my mother came to live with us and took the guest room, became her room. But we would have missionaries come and we did it like a bed and breakfast. They could stay for the night and we would give them breakfast. Sometimes we gave them three meals, but they wanted to go all over Myrtle Beach. They really wanted to eat the seafood. Also creating that environment for people to hear a call to missions. Missionaries who have grown up in GA and RA say, when the Lord called me, I understood because I'd been learning about it. And so providing that environment where they will understand their call to missions is very important. And then to nurture that. Mary Ropp is one of my GAs who is now in her junior year at Clemson and she has had a call in her life to missions and she has said it was growing up in GA it was going on my first mission trip with my older GA group it was there that I knew God had a plan for my life it wasn't just to do trips it was to give my life to missions and so she's working with the IMB she just came back from six weeks in Russia this summer and the last one is to well not the last one develop spiritually towards a mission lifestyle. This is the next one. And while we're focusing on the lost, we don't want to leave out those who are involved. And so we want that discipleship to go on for believers in through WMU by providing intentional opportunities for spiritual growth. Having a prayer retreat that is missions focused so that we can go deeper with God. I love Bible study. I love looking at how it applies to our life 
things written thousands of years ago are applicable today. They are timeless. And we so any of, yes ma'am? Uh, one of our quarterly meetings, mm -hmm. we had a basically some physical therapist for children. Mm -hmm. Speak, she's from Grace County. She had gone to Uganda. Mm -hmm. She worked with the children over there. Mm -hmm. And she took her daughter with her. Mm. And she was a teenager mm -hmm. to work with the children, just played with the children. Mm -hmm. Oh, how neat to do that as a mother and daughter. And to hear that, how they use their abilities is a wonderful thing. And so the last one is to participate in the work of the church and the denomination. WMU's work is not done in isolation. It is done in cooperation. Cooperation with the church, in cooperation with who we are as Southern Baptists. Statistics continue to tell us that women who are involved in WMU are more active in all the other areas of their church than women who are not. Because they see the big picture. They know they're responsible to use their gift for the Lord. And that missions is a part of that. And it's an offspring often to get involved with the children, to get involved in the music, to get involved in the hospitality of the church. So all of those objectives are important for us. Now let's look at the business shoe. Why the business shoe? Because if we're going to keep it going, we've got to have the foundational things, the inner workings of it. Just like your car. It might look nice on the outside, but if the engine doesn't work good, you've got a problem, right? And so we need to have the business part of that. So I want to talk about the responsibilities of the WMU leader. And I want you to keep in mind the objectives that we've talked about. The WMU director is responsible for planning, conducting, and evaluating missions awareness and involvement for the entire church family. And she's going to do it in a number of ways, this planning, this conducting, and evaluating. It doesn't mean she's a one-woman workhorse, though, but she is responsible for overseeing that. And so promoting missions is one of these in the church. She provides for it like the resources that we have. And even though she may not be the one doing it, she provides those resources for others to do. She works with a pastor and the church staff to provide missions awareness opportunities for the congregation. You've all been through having a new pastor come in. He says, what's WMU? Has that all happened to you? And so you get that opportunity to tell them all the wonderful things about it, about how missions happen. And I can just, have, having done that, seen how the mind is working. Oh, no, she's going to tell me how to do everything. When that's not what you want, but you want them to see that there is so much out there for us and that we're able to um, provide for these, that we have wonderful resources and that we'll be careful to bring them to the pastor, whoever the church staff person is who you connect with. There's also serving on the church leadership team or other group that's responsible for coordinating church activities. There's nothing more frustrating than planning this great event and finding out that the fellowship hall already has something going on. And if you'd only known about it, 
So being part of that leadership team is very helpful if your church is worked out that way. And then recommending WMU-sponsored church-wide mission plans to the leadership team or whoever that planning group is. You're getting them coming into your church, but you know what happens if they don't know to give it to the WMU director? Where do they go in your church? If it says pastor on it, do you think it really gets to his desk? Chances are it doesn't. That's what I've my experience has been. And so if you have the name of a person with Beth Ann who's going to get those state mission materials or those NAM materials, um, they're going to make sure that they get to the person who's willing to take on that responsibility. And so the recommending, not the enforcing, but the recommending of them. And if you're reporting regularly to your church those exciting things that are going to happen and have happened, the church is going to be behind you in the things that you want to do for these mission awareness and this mission involvement. When we moved to Myrtle Beach, after a while I became a a GA leader, and then a year later the uh, WMU director moved away, and so I was asked if I would do that job. Um, I was sort of the new girl on the block, but um, no one else seemed to want that job. So they came back to me, and I said I would. And I got a call from the church secretary, and she said, we need your report. Could you give that verbally at our meeting tomorrow night? I said, okay. So I went to give my report, and I said, this is what the mission friends have done for the last three months, and this is what the GAs and RAs did. This is what our youth did. This is what our women on mission groups did. This is what we did in the church. And people are kind of going, really? And so when I was done, I sat down and they started to clap, not because of me and not because of the report, but their unawareness of what was happening behind the scenes. They didn't know. They just didn't have an understanding that preschoolers were collecting things, pennies in in bottles for the pregnancy center. They didn't know the GAs had been out and doing this with the the homeless. They didn't know these things. And it was eye-opening to them. And after that, we had new members. Amazing what a simple report can do. So reporting regularly is really important and hopefully in your churches you have a a, um, avenue for that. And then last, directs the work of the leadership team. And it needs to be a team. It can't be one person. Beth Ann has a team that she works with. You all need to have a team that you work with because otherwise you're worn out and we're not supposed to be. So this is really important. And this is the ideal structure that we've talked about. There are churches, though, that are experiencing structures that don't have a place at the table for WMU. And it may be completely staff-led. There's a trend that way in our churches. We talked about church culture changing, and that's part of it. And so the question for us is, do you want to know what we are thinking about? Who will come to our team meeting to let us know if that's not working for our church, if that's not an avenue we can do, if that's not a time we can use. It's important that you don't want to be seen as the competition. You want to be seen as premier, as something that is so important and so viable, but so willing to work with the rest of the church. We're not out here isolated. We are cooperating as a church. And there are some churches that are even severely limiting 
WMU in the church. And I, I would take it that it's not your churches because you're here representing your churches. We talked about a pastor who might have a negative past experience. And that's really hard to change that, isn't it? It's hard for us when we've had a negative experience in some way with an organization. And we carry that with us. And that's sad when that has happened with, with for a pastor. But then it's our joy and our challenge to help them see that that's not going to happen here where we are, not on our watch. We're going to be that cooperative person, and we're going to work together, and we're going to pray for our pastor and support them. Well, let's look at some family shoes. You see all those little shoes up here. And maybe you fit in with one of these shoes in the places that you lead out. There's the preschool shoe, the mission friends. And every church I think I've ever been to has little ones running around like that. And one of our national mission friends um, consultants used to say, anytime that there are preschoolers gathered, you can have mission friends. Anytime. Because someone's got to watch them. They're not allowed to run around on their own. And so if you see a time when they just have someone babysitting, just send in a few seventh graders, say, let's start mission friends. You can have more than one group. You can have it Wednesday night, the traditional time that so many churches have, and another time. Then there's the children's shoes, and that's GA and RA or children in action. And that's another time when children can't always sit still for a whole hour. I was with a church up in um, Maine that is a church plant, and they were using children in action for their children's church because she's a product of WMU as a church planter wife up there. And she said, I want them to learn missions. We don't own our building. We meet once a week for an hour and a half, and so we're doing children in action. Student shoe, actines, challengers, youth on mission. It doesn't have to be a competition with a youth program, a youth minister. Some youth ministers are loving it. Others are saying, I'm writing my own materials. Have you run into some of that? Yeah, I don't understand that. Usually I say, so you must be a curriculum um, specialist. And they look at me like, well, no, but I'm, I'm a pastor. Okay, we have some curriculum specialists, and that seems to help. And then they're more interested in looking at that. Then our adult shoes, our women on mission, our adult on mission, and our my mission organization for some younger folks. If you've been at our store at WMU online, you'll see that we have more things available online that can be downloaded and used. You'll see that for all of our, our student age group, our ACT teens especially. You'll see that for my mission, that those are downloadables, and so those can be gotten right in your church office. You can have them done or do it in your home. Then there's the special order shoes, and these are the ministries of WMU. This is Sisters Who Care for our women who are African American and have a whole church or a part of a large church. There's Baptist Nursing Fellowship. We see chapters that are right in churches where they have 15 or 20 nurses, and they've developed their own chapter right there, so they're not traveling far. Some are... Um, there's Christian Women Job Corps. If there's a Job Corps site near you and your women on mission have adopted that, um, that's a ministry that we have for artisans. Are you all familiar with, um, not for artisans, for women who live often below the poverty level who are needed women? 
And so there's a lot of volunteering that goes on there by our women on mission leaders. And then there's um, world crafts. And you've probably seen that with all the wonderful um, items that um, artisans make and we connect with them. Some churches are loving that. And they have a party every quarter. And so a person will, um, that will be, that's part of our, our family too. These are people that you can have on your leadership team. Jackson, First Baptist Jackson in Mississippi, once a year has fills their fellowship hall, which is like six acres in size, bigger than football field, I think. And they just fill it with tables, and people collect things all year long, and they give them away to the community. And they have their project chairman as part of their leadership team. So if you have a big project that goes on, if you do a missions fair once a year, that person probably needs to be on your leadership team because she needs to know all the other pieces going on. And then you can have other um, people on there, such as um, secretaries or administrative assistants. Specific duties are all listed in the WMU Missions Guide for Churches. Are you all familiar with this? So everything is in here. If you didn't have me talking here, you could look at this and learn a lot of things about that. But all those specific responsibilities of others that can be part of your team. Any questions about the WMU age level and leadership team members? All pretty clear? Good. Okay, let's go on to the hiking boot. This is one of my favorite. This is for very important people. People who like to catch a vision for where God is taking them. You have to get high to see where you're going with God. J. Oswald Sanders, who's touted to be the best resource for Christian literature, said, Vision leads to venture. And history is on the venturesome side of faith. Think about that. Think about all the history lessons you've had. Venturesome. I think that's cool. The person of vision takes fresh steps of faith across gullies and chasms, not playing safe, but neither taking foolish risks. Shouldn't we be that way with our groups? Doing something new. Taking the next step. Someone also said you can't see the future through a rear view mirror. Think about that one. And then there was Annie Armstrong. What did she say? Go forward. Right. I think those are great things that we can remember because visioning can be fun. Visioning can be creative. You might say, I don't have a creative bone in my body. But you all got dressed and got here, and you all look like you put it together pretty well. So you're a little bit creative. And I thought we would do a little bit of a visioning activity, so a little bit hands-on. See how many we've got. I think we could divide up into groups of four. And back there, you're going to see a poster board, some magazine, a marker or two, and a glue. And I'll get the scissors out. I want you to make a visioning board. Do you all watch HGTV once in a while? You know how they take a board and they put up the swatches and all that? You know, I want you to do a visioning board. I want you to think of a name for your church. Maybe you're the First Baptist Church of Shoe City. 
and I want you to think about what vision God might be giving you as a church. So you're going to come together, even though you may not know each other real, real well in your group, and make a visioning board. You can cut anything out of the magazines. Sorry, you had to go with the magazines that we get at our house. And, um, and create a visioning board. And I'll give you about 10 minutes to do that, and then we'll report on the kind of visioning that you think it's important to do for your missions. All right? So maybe the first four go down here, and then um, maybe you four over there, and then another four here in the middle. I've set up for five, but let's go. I hope that made you think a little bit and work together. This is an exercise you can actually do with a leadership team in your church with a blank piece of paper, a blank poster board, give them just a few things and say, we need to see what God has wanted us to do. Proceed that by having them pray for a week for the vision that God has for you, for your church, for WMU to work along with them. Be sure you know what the vision is that your church staff is seeing so that you're going to work in tandem with that. All right, what group would like to go first? Don't all raise your hands. All right, we'll have the back row Baptist report first. <laughs> Tell us your church name and what the vision is. Okay, well, I have to get up here, but I have to say their names. Yes, my group consisted of Sheila Anderson, Jill Miller. Did she do it? I'm not. There she is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And I'm Tina Griffin. And we did Souls for Souls. It was the name of our church. And we said, and, and since everything had to go along with our feet or shoes or whatever, we said we'd have a walk in soup kitchen where we fed people and they could just walk in. We said uh, Boots on the Ground for Christ. It was a building ministry. Um, and we actually do that in our church. We have a family that, that were members of our church and they have since moved to um, another church. But our church has taken on helping them. Their house burned. So we are working on helping them get it taken down, which is we've tried to include the, all of the community. But it's going really well. And then we said um, Booties for Babies. Someone mentioned the, the pennies in the bottles. We do that as well for our um, up, up the, um, ABC Wings Clinic, where they try to talk mamas out of abortions. And then we said um, bringing families together one, one boot at a time, where we would minister to all of the, the families. Sometimes you can just bring a child in. You can get a child to come in for, um, then you can minister to the rest of the family, and that's how they decide. Or even we've just had someone say, you know, we say, our church is the one that has the cool playground in the yard. And they'll come and they'll play on the playground and then, okay, we want to use it. So, um, and then we said, if the shoe fits, wear it. Ministry for our ladies. Um, and then we said, thankful boots for our um, Thanksgiving where we feed. And then we said, um, planting seeds for souls. And um, and then this was just our boot. This is what we would put on our sign was that big boot. Good job. <laughs> Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Those for souls. Love it. Okay, our next group. I'll go. Okay. All right. We're the Vision Baptist Church. Okay. All right. We have a vision for the world. We are going to stand firm in our faith. And with this vision comes along relationships with our families and friends and with the world. 
and we don't want to be all alone because we don't want sore feet. We want to have a team so that in the future we can uh, go where God leads. Oh, that's great. Good job. Okay, next group. Thank you. Um, okay. And you, you, you ladies can chime in anytime you want to. Our uh, church is Open Door Baptist Church. Our vision statement is poor life, evangelism, and discipleship is your life poured into another. And then we're going to reach out to families, whether it be in our country, another country, elderly, reaching the elderly and shut-ins, um, reaching children. Uh, we're going to probably have us a bus and have a, a go out to the community. Um, we're going to uh, do international outreach. Of course, we all do the shoe boxes and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, we're going to share. We're going to share the gospel, and of course, hopefully, end up in baptism. But um, I was going to say, when you were talking about the church that did the um, where they had the tables and they brought in all the stuff. Yes. We do yes. it twice a year. Do you? And we uh -huh. have a very we have a small church, but uh -huh. we have a lot of stuff. You'd be surprised. Uh -huh. And we all look at each other. How do we have so much stuff that we give away every year? Uh -huh. But we do it the same way. We lay uh -huh. we put it in our social hall and we do a spring and then a uh -huh. fall, fall with coats and stuff and just give away. Uh -huh. And it's only I mean it's our stuff, but people now in the community give us stuff uh -huh. to give away. So it's a, and it really a very introduces your thing. church to people, doesn't it? Very big outreach. Thank you. So you can see how this is an effective way for your team, even if it's just three or four of you, to come together and think about where is God going to take us this year. It is okay to have a new theme for your church. And of course, WMU provides you with a new theme every two years that you can tag onto. So think about the visioning process and make that fun to change it up and get some excitement going. You know, it's important to do planning. Your view of the future depends on where you are standing. Anyone ever felt like they were in a rut? You know, if you're standing in a rut, picture that road, the, the tractor, the wagon goes out to the field month after month after month and the rut gets deeper and deeper and if that's where you're standing in the rut of WMU you can't see where God wants you to go so planning is so important I hope you're already thinking higher getting higher to see the vision God has for you I want you to write down on your handout where are you now standing where are you in your church where are you now standing and I want you to write down what have you envisioned, even in this last hour, of where you want to go and how you will get there. Maybe it's just to get organized. Maybe it's to try one new thing. Maybe it's to look at what you've been doing and saying, you know, that's tired. My mom never said anything was worn out, but she would say it's very tired looking, Debbie. And I would know that I needed to change that up. Sometimes we need to think about that. So write down, what have you envisioned, even in this time, and how will you get there? And that's where planning comes in. Goal setting is a tool for reaching the vision. I'm sure Paul, who often spoke of the vision that God had given him, probably spent as many hours planning as executing, because I believe he was a planner. 
And so we want to have goals, and we want them to be SMART goals. And so maybe you're familiar with that acronym. Are you familiar with that for goal setting? If you've been in business, you may have used those. But these are really important, and you'll see them on the second page um, also listed out, and we'll talk about them specifically. But they are specific, they're measurable, they're attainable, they're relevant, and they're time-oriented. And that's really important. And we'll go over them individually, give you a chance to get them written down. This has helped me in nursing. This has helped me in WMU. This has helped me in my personal life. This helped me move from New Hampshire to Myrtle Beach. All of these goal settings. And I think that periodically we need to review those. You know, when those birthdays come around that have a zero on the end, it's always time to reevaluate and set some new goals because life has changed in the last 10 years. So when we think about specific, when you're setting a goal, you need to be specific about what you want to accomplish. It's kind of like the grocery list. If you just write on your grocery list, get groceries, that's not going to help you much, is it? You really need to know what they're going to be. And it might be fine to say lunch, breakfast, dinner, but if you don't know the details of it, you're going to end up with things that are just so random and they don't work together. So this is really important. So think about this as the mission statement for your goal. It isn't a detailed list of how you're going to meet the goal, but it should include the popular WE questions. The who, who's going to be involved, who's going to do this. That's wh why you have a team. The what question, think about exactly what you want to accomplish and don't be afraid um, of that. The when. You'll get more specific about that when you come to the time bound of the SMART acronym, but you should at least set a time frame. You'll do it in the fall. You'll do it in the summer. The where, the where question, and this may not always apply, but it might be that if you want to serve the homeless, you need to know where they are. And it may be that it's not at the shelter where they go at night. It might be in the park where they are during the day. The which, and this is related to obstacles or requirements for it. It's beneficial if your goal is realistic. And we'll get to that as well. For example, if the goal is to begin an adult-on-mission group and you don't know anything about it, maybe you need to explore other resources for starting and adults on mission. Or maybe you've heard another church is doing it and they're having 40 people every month. I want that kind of group. So you call them and you talk to them. So that's part of the which. And as a result, you're able then to refine the specifics of your goal as you've learned about those things. And the why. What is the reason for this goal? Be sure you understand what it's about. Measurable is the metrics that you're going to use to determine if you meet the goal. For instance, it it's, makes a goal more tangible when you have those metrics because it measures the progress. And so you need to know, if we're going to do this next summer and it's fall now, where do we want to be in January? How far have we been and how will we measure if this is working? You need to set some milestones for accomplishing that. Achievable. This focuses on how important a goal is to you and what will make it attainable may require special skills and changing attitudes in your church for it. 
The goal is meant to, a goal is meant to inspire motivation, not discouragement. And so think about how to accomplish the goals and if you have the right tools and the skills for it. Relevant. Relevance refers to focusing on something that meets the WMU objectives. I meet churches that say, yes, our WMU visits our shut-ins. That's our project. Well, if it's your church's shut-ins, are they probably going to heaven? Are they saved? Yes, yeah, so the mission is not to them. That would be a ministry to women, and that's a good thing. Yes, we should be doing that. Yes, but are we, do we need to go there to share the gospel? Probably not. And so how can we do that? I had a GA leader who worked with me who was determined we were going to the shut-ins. And I said, you know, we can do that. But you find out from that shut-in who's her friend who never went to church, who never came to faith in Christ. And that person happened to live just four houses down from her. And so we went to both shut-ins. And we shared the gospel at Christmas with the shut-in who said no one had ever come and told her about Jesus. We can do it. We can make what a person really wants because I don't think there's anything we can't take and bring it into the mission realm. So we want to be relevant. We want to have our objectives before us. Time-oriented. Anyone can set goals, but it requires realistic timing. You and I aren't going to sit down and plan a missions fair for next month, are we? No, that wouldn't be enough time. I'm sure that Beth Ann and her team began planning for this months ago so that they would have the right people, the right places, the right materials. All that goes into that takes a lot of timing, and so you have to have it time-oriented. This also provides time constraints to make it manageable, and you want that. Nobody likes at the last minute to be frantic in it getting things done. So the easiest way for writing these SMART goals is be prepared to ask yourself and your team members lots of questions. You want to ask those, those questions that have to do with the SMART acronym. You will find that the answers will fine-tune your strategy for meeting your vision for having these goals met. And while you should be as realistic as possible, it's important that you are positive and have a we can do this attitude. Now the one thing I haven't talked about is prayer. I guess I did mention it. Have them pray for a while before you come together and do visioning. It's the same about the goals. And we remember that Paul, when he wanted to go one place, the Spirit kept him from going. And that's important to be listening to what the Lord is. And if he had gone there, he wouldn't have heard the Macedonian call. We need to be very careful that we understand where God wants us to go. Well, before we hit these a little more, I want us to look at a couple more shoes because the shoe store has some other things. There's the work boot. And the work boot, how many of you have ever worn those big work boots like that? You worn those? Okay, so they're shock absorbent, right? You can go a lot of miles and stand on a lot of concrete or rough terrain. They're also slip resistant, right? And they are also state-of-the-art protection for the feet. And there are things that we do in WMU that is sheer work. Those mission trips down to the shelter in our town where the homeless are, you don't want to go in sandals. I'll leave the details to your minds. 
How about when we're working in mission trips further afield and we're going into the mountains or we're going down to the seashore? That's where we're going to be working and we need to have our feet shod the right way for that. Project HELP is every two to four years there's a new project HELP from National WMU and this year it's refugees. I heard some of you mention refugees. And so we need to be sure that when we're creating projects that require work, we're doing it the right way and hence the, the work boot. We do this, we have these project HELP so that there will be first awareness of the situation. How many of you knew about Clarkston, Georgia before this. Now we know about it, right? That there are so many internationals there. But I didn't know about it until we began this emphasis. And then there's the education. So we help our churches be aware of the issue. Then we educate them about that. And then we involve them in it. And that's why it takes more than just a couple years to have this. And then our mission emphasis and our mission experiences. It takes work to put on a mission study for every age level, doesn't it? Even to have the weeks of prayer, we don't want it just a handing out of the list of people to pray for. We want it to be interactive. We want to make sure that it's being used, being done. So there's the work boot. There's also the party shoe. From classic to trendy. And those are all the celebrations if you have GA and RA or CA in your church, do you do the recognition services for them? used to be that little girls got all dressed up in pretty dresses, and even before it was the coronations, you know, with the capes and the crowns and the scepters and all that. Now they want to wear their T-shirt that says GA on it. Well, that's okay, too, because culture has changed, hasn't it? And so party shoes... Um, don't we all like a, a cute pair of party shoes? But there's other places that we celebrate. Focus on WMU Week is a time of celebrating how God wants to use our WMU groups. There's the Worldcraft parties. And if you go online and you look at them, there are kits and there are party themes from barbecues to... Um, I had one in mine and I've lost it. Anyways, all kinds of party themes. Oh, it's the African Safari. And that is with all those fair trade products, and everyone loves a world craft party. And then there's coming to events like this. There's the associational events that you have in your state annual meetings. Those are all times, even though they're more casual today, it's a time to get together to celebrate. Our last shoe is the sandal, and this is wherever the joy of missions takes you. It's those spontaneous, let's all get together for lunch. Let's go to the retreat. It's those special gatherings that we have to honor people and to uh, just have fun together because there is a sisterhood that we have in WMU. I've been in an awful lot of airports in the last 10 years, and I can spot a WMU woman at 50 yards. I can just tell. And when we get together, we just start talking about missions and the things that God has done for us in that. All right, so we're going to talk again about our SMART goals for just a little bit to wrap things up. So while you're in your visioning groups, what are some of the things that came to your mind that you could apply to your leadership in your churches for WMU or for any area of missions? Or did you just like cutting things out and gluing? Maybe. Go ahead. I, I was just saying, I think, I think for me it is um, 
my vision, you know, as the leader, but that's really not the way it's supposed to be. It should be everybody and mm -hmm. it get others to engage and see, mm -hmm. you know, something and you can do that individually give everyone a blank piece of paper and have them and maybe there's verses that you've wanted to give them from scripture and have them come together and to see what the prevailing thought is because God will put the thought into more than one person's mind when he has a very specific direction for you to go and off of that vision will come the different things that you want to do goal setting helps you prepare to lead out in the new year. So you, you, you find out what the vision is, what are the goals you need to make. And so I hope that you can set some personal goals while you're here today. So think about your work in WMU. Think about what you feel like was accomplished in the past year. What was successful? What wasn't? What didn't work? People didn't really get behind it or didn't find it as interesting. Maybe you didn't think it was as interesting as you thought it would be when you came up with it. You know, we need to be willing to look at the negatives as well as the positives and to ask others. You know, maybe it's the, the person who attended who'd never been part of WMU before and say, you know, I would just like to talk with you about that. Was that what you expected or how did you feel about that? What was the takeaway that you had so that you can bring that to your team and say, this was some of the feedback from that. Set a metal, mental list of what you always do. You know, you have the calendar. It's kind of written in stone that we're going to do this every May on this date. Should it be done the same way every year? Maybe it's good to have it in the same time so people don't miss it and think, well, I was waiting for it in May and now you're doing it in July. We have to think about those things. But do it different. Shake it up and make it new and exciting. You get more people when you do that. New people. Can it be transformed into being more missional? That was God saying yes. More meaningful. And then there are some things you just have to let go of. We had a group of Laotian children come to our church through Vacation Bible School. And when they went to the parents' home and asked if they could be brought to Sunday school, the parents said, no, they can't go to your church when you worship. And some very quick-thinking woman said, could they come on Wednesday night to our clubs? And they said they can go to clubs. So I was told as the GA leader that I would go get them and bring them. I said, okay. So I had five Laotians in the backseat of my car, if you can imagine that, who'd never been in a Protestant, any church before, only temples. And that seemed to be associated with gambling. I don't know why, but it did. And so for seven years, I brought children, and, and then there was the church van because they brought their friends. And that was, it, their parents didn't seem to care that they were going. But five of those Laotian children came to know Christ. But there came a time when our leaders said, you know, we've been doing this and we've been doing this and it's taking huge amount of time. And the children were growing up and out. And so we prayed about it and we felt like the Lord was saying, this is the time to stop it. And those families were actually about to move away. And so God gave us permission so we wouldn't feel that loss of those children and those families. 
but we knew that we had accomplished what God had set out. Some things it's time to bring a close to. So with all of this in mind, I want you to think about personal goals along these lines. I want you to think about that in the next days ahead as you prepare to plan your personal goals for how you will lead, how you will lead your teams, those that you work with. Maybe it's the whole group if you have a group of, of women. Um, Baptist women can set their goals too and so that they can come along with that. Have them specific. Have them measurable. Have them attainable and relevant to your church. You want to contextualize it to the, to the life of your church. So as you think about all those things, think about how you can build your team. There are lots of team building things that you can do as well as this kind of exercise that will help your team come together. Um, just Google team building. It'll come up about 4,000 different activities that you can do to help your team come together and work together. And they're a lot of fun to do. They're not difficult. But it's always worthwhile. That's, you know, sometimes we call them at other things, icebreakers. But it really serves to break the ice and bring people together if you do some sort of team building activity. We, we feel like we have to begin with scripture and prayer every time, don't we? But you can shake that up and you can put that in the middle. We're going to take a break to talk to the Lord about what we've been doing and where we're going to go with this now that we have it to be sure we're on, on track with the Lord. So in closing today, you've seen all of the shoes of WMU. You've seen the shoes that you need for various times with your WMU leadership team as a leader in your church, whether it's in an age level, whether it's in um, another area of ministry. All are important. But most importantly is that you be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That comes from the armor of God in, in Ephesians. So think about that. Think about where you stand in the Lord and how he prepares you. In the, the conference later, we'll be talking about leadership qualities, and they really apply to any place that God calls us to lead. But God equips us, and I love the fact that he gave us the armor of God. To think about that in relationship to us, whether we're that simple member or that person that God has called into leadership. And it's usually the unlikely person that he sets aside, isn't it, and says, I'm going to put you here. And that's we see that time and time again with women in the Bible. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, that you are ever present with us. It is by your Spirit, Lord, that we can determine what it is you have for us, what the future is. Each of these women has come here for this weekend expecting to hear from you. And so we're so thankful that you speak to us, that your voice is clear, and that your vision comes for what you want us to do, both personally and collectively in our churches, out in our community, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to live that mission's lifestyle, that wherever we go, we see lostness, and we are willing to penetrate it with your gospel. Help us to be more 
living that way, Father. Help us to, to design in our churches mission organization, mission groups, Lord, that will be intentionally missional. We will not hold back, that we would go forward. Help us as leaders. Help each one that we work with to catch your vision and to go with it. We give thanks to you, Father, for what you have shown us today in this hour. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming.